Hello and welcome to the new guys. I'm one of your hosts, Gabe Dunn. And who are you? <laughs> I'm one of the other hosts, River Butcher. <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, this is a show for trans guys, about trans guys, but also for everyone. I'm a trans writer. River, who are you? <laughs> oh yeah, I, uh, I'm a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, producer, baseball player, and I'm also trans. And I'm also a trans guy. Specifically. What? No, I'm just kidding. Could you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> Two of us in one place? Get out. Two of us in one place at the same time? What? Yeah, um, pretty wild. So, okay. So uh, usually what we do is we start the show with some sort of trans activity or some sort of trans <laughs> or gendered situation that we have going on. Um, and we wanted to talk today about Dyke Day LA and uh, changing identities. So River, why did you yeah. want to bring this up as a topic? Well, I wanted to bring it up as a topic because, first of all, I love Dyke Day LA, like, with my entire being and heart, so I wanted to talk about it for that reason. And also, um, <laughs> I've been on the road a lot, and so I, that's been my primary job. My primary occupation has literally been traveling for work, and so I have not actually had a lot of time or, like, actual physical space to do really any activities, <laughs> so... Um, in, in service to the podcast, I was like, I think maybe we talk about this thing since it's still technically Pride Month. You know, Pride yeah. Month is all year long for me. But since it is Pride Month, I just felt like, I don't know. I, 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 so I made it to Dyke Day for the last like hour and 15 minutes mm -hmm. <laughs> because I literally flew from New York to Los Angeles on Saturday, the day that it happened. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to try. And I literally just parked at my house and walked over there. And as I was walking, like I ran into so many people as they were leaving, which was great. I ran into you before mm -hmm. you left, which was perfect. And I got to meet Alex, which was nice. Also, just to say, we have a, a great guest on our episode today, too. A friend of mine, uh, actor, producer, comedian, uh, P.D. Gibson, is going to be on the show later. So just want to put that out there, too. My brand new friend. Yeah, your brand new friend, my longtime friend. Yeah. Same same aged friend. <laughs> do you want to explain what Dyke Day is? Uh, sure, I'll give it a swing. I didn't do any research other other than my own just experience. Dyke Day is a, is a non-corporate sponsored non uh no police presence um fully independent fully community uh based uh pride event in that it is during pride mm -hmm. <laughs> it is not like sponsored or it is not official i mean it's sponsored but it's sponsored by like the la public library you know <laughs> and like stuff like that it's like they 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 are very diligent and intentional um with whom they they work and where they take funds to do the things that they do. Um, and it is, you know, in the long tradition of like, you know, the dike marches and, uh, you know, dikes on bikes and all kinds of things like somewhat, you know, separatist lesbian event, but it is incredibly inclusive in my experience. Like I, all these, I posted a picture of me and my partner, uh, from it. And there was like all these people that I don't remember them going before <laughs> who are yeah. straight and cis. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm so glad you guys are coming to this specifically because like it is just such a different event in that. And, and like, I, I, I don't want to throw any shade. Well, I mean, I'll throw shade to anything that has cops at it, yep. but I'm not throwing shade to like, I understand we, we do have to do what we can within the boundaries of capitalism and floats are great. And, these big time organizations are okay. You know, all that stuff is good. But for me, like 
where my heart is filled and where my heart lives is in a space like Dyke Day where, um, I don't know, there's just like so many people there and like all it is is like blankets and people hanging out and spending time with each other, mm-hmm. ultimately. I mean, there's like a kink tent, which is awesome. And there's, you know, a... a, a entertainment there's like a a dog parade yes the puppy (laughs) parade the puppy parade and um i don't know it's just like it's awesome and i've the reason i wanted to talk about it with you is i feel like you've gone a bunch i've gone a bunch i've Mm -hmm. been going since i moved here probably since about 2013 or 14 like i'm not sure that i knew about it the first year or so that i was here but i just my own experience of it has just like changed and grown over the years and it's like I don't know. I just I love being there and seeing everybody and um I don't yeah. know being a freak. Like that's that's also to me like what what is uh part of it is like it is about like like I've been noticing something in the sort of internet conversation around like uh all the stuff that's going on with uh you know the the neo-Nazis, the fascists and the the laws across the country and I notice us doing that thing that we do which is like this, well, this isn't about who I sleep with, and this isn't about I'm not bad, and this isn't dangerous. And it's like, I, I, this is my opinion. <laughs> this is yeah. not the new guy's opinion. This is my opinion. We are dangerous, actually. And what we are dangerous to is the status quo, is to capitalism, is to patriarchy and gender norms. Like, like we are dangerous. I actually yeah. believe that drag is dangerous, and that's why I think it's important. Yes. It is not dangerous in the way that they say it's dangerous, which is to children. It's, right. It is dangerous to the ways in which we are trying to brainwash children into thinking they only have two options in their lives. Correct. But- other than that, like it is actually dangerous and it saddens me to watch our community yet again, our population, I should say, because it's not necessarily always a community, continually bow to that to say mm-hmm. like, but we're not we're not bad and we're not freaks and we're not weird. Like we are yeah. <laughs> like we are. We yeah. are weird. Like that is why that's we're why societal norms. Yeah. So Precisely. That is technically. Yeah. And uh, the puppy kink people are my favorite people. I, I went yeah. to L.A. Pride. I, I was like specifically cheering for the uh, the puppy kink people, the horse kink people, the like furries, like I'm talking about the leather community. Like, of course, yeah. I, I was like, woo, like cheering. Those are my favorite people. Um, and so, yes, I do agree. I'm very pro kink at pride. I'm very pro like I have a whole joke about it, Gabe, that got cut out of a prominent streamer's uh, LGBT special. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, but it will come out on my special that I just filmed. So hell yeah. Well, I have a question. So I had. Yes a straight friend, straight cis friend. And I was talking about, so you met, you mentioned Alex, who is my boyfriend. Alex is trans. I am trans. We're both trans guys. And, uh, my friend was like, you guys still want to go to Dyke day? Like (laughs) you, like what, wouldn't that, your straight cis friend said that. Yeah. Like, is that, is that okay? Is that something that's comfortable (laughs) for you? Like that kind of thing. So I wanted to get into that because also, well, yeah, let's get into that. There's like, there's like a, a tender queer thing where like, I have seen friends of mine who are queer women, let's say queer women or or gay guys who will use the word dyke like to describe themselves or dyke day or dykes on bikes or whatever. And they get eaten alive by the Internet for yeah. using the the quote unquote Diesler. And so, like, can <laughs> oh we talk God. about that as well? <laughs> sure. Yeah. OK, so two points. Which point first? <laughs> let's get into let's get into like us going to dyke day. Yeah, okay. 
So what are we allowed there? And but like also I mean like, clearly right, but like the comfort level, like one. I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my boyfriend who has been LGBTQ, which we started calling egotting, where you've been all the things. (laughs) And so he's been lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I was never the L, so I'll never egot. And he was Mm. like, well, have you been, were you in long-term relationships when you were a woman with women? And I was like, yeah, but I identified as bi the whole time. And he's like, but you presented to the world. But And also- the relationship itself could be considered because the the way that I look at it is like the relationship itself is its own sort of being. Right. You know, so not to not to participate in any sort of by erasure, but just to say the added thing of like, well, the relationship in and of itself was was lesbian, because I think also you can be a bisexual woman and date another woman, whether she's bi or lesbian or not, and be like, yeah, it wasn't a lesbian relationship. <laughs> yeah, you could <laughs> How say that. How that works out, I don't know. But 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 the point I'm trying to make is it's whatever you want it to be. Well, it was also funny because a part of Dyke Day 2 is it's very lovely, but you also see everyone you've ever dated or what got yes. or matched on Hinge with or whoever. So there was like, I never think of myself as, so, I always think of myself as so bisexual. And then uh, there were all these people coming by and there were a lot of women and I was like, oh, to Alex, like, this is my ex and this is my ex and this is my ex. And he was like, you sure have dated a lot of women for someone who was never the L part of LGBT. And I was like, actually, you're, you're maybe you're right. Maybe I am. Maybe I was. I do get a, a I was like, I'm saying I get the EGOT as if like, I was like, they didn't nominate me for the movie that I should have gotten the Oscar for. So sure, then yeah. they like threw me an Oscar two years later. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, they gave you for... one of those like Lifetime Achievement Awards or something. That's like what that. I think. That's what I think the I Cecil get B. in DeMille terms of lesbian award. award. Yeah, I think that's what I get. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. So like, w- like Dyke Day, there were people there that were like, I th- I perceived to be cis men. Could be anything. People think my uh-huh. boyfriend's cis when he's not. Or like, you know, yeah. there there were all types of people there and i think there's a misunderstanding of of like our ability to like be in dyke spaces or whatever i don't know what do you think about it i never think about it it didn't even occur to me at all until this person said that to me i don't think about it at all either and that's the thing like i'll i'll preface this by saying i've like gotten off of twitter mm. <laughs> i don't i don't i'm still i still have a thing on there i don't use it yeah um and i'll just offer that to like anybody listening that like I think the internet is an incredibly powerful tool. We couldn't have the show without it, you know? So I think it's an important thing. It's been and continues to be a very important tool for our, our the, the actual community, the movement, all of that. I think it's very powerful. But uh, like with any tool, you can, you know, you can pick up a hammer and bang your thumb with it. You know what I right. mean? You can also like hurt someone with it pretty badly. So like that's the thing is, you know, there's just this discourse, this constant din of discourse and, you know, mainstream people, cishet people watch that. And then mm-hmm. that becomes their experience of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I try to keep that in mind that, like, of course they misunderstand, especially if they haven't been. And then they come in with that understanding. They go to a Pride event. They they bring that understanding with them. And then they're looking at this experience through that lens. Mm-hmm. And so I just am like, look, there's truly no gatekeeping at Pride. If somebody, mm-hmm. especially at at, at Dake, at Dyke Day, um, because like I was walking in as so many people were walking out, and I'm just going like, look at all the people that come to this thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want. Like, am I am I a founder of this thing? No, I don't know what they want, but it kind of doesn't matter what they want because they're mm-hmm. putting on an event for people to come to, mm-hmm. you know. And like, and they have like a sort of uh, 
blueprint for what that looks like. They make shirts that have very specific like things. Is trans man on there? No. Do right. I wish it was? Yes. Yeah. Does it need to be for me to go? No. Yeah. You know, like, uh, are there other trans men there? Yes. Do trans men have a long tradition of being part of the dyke space area of things? Yes. Do we get often erased out of history? Absolutely. Right. Do dykes? Totally. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. do, like if if I, you know, I, I just I, like I, I was walking. There was like somebody who now again, I don't know, but he seemed to be a cis gay man. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying the tender queer thing, it was like that. And I just was like, man, I have such a I have a soft space for everyone in my heart. But of I just course. in that moment, I was like, you know, the gay men, the cis gay men who find themselves at home at a dyke event, I was just like, man, I forgot about you for a second. Yeah. You know, because like, I just forgot. And like, I'm so grateful to be reminded of you. Yes. That, that like, and and I think it's a dismantling of this, this uh, supposing or like just assuming that a space is for one type of thing. Like, it just isn't, you know? And so like, that's actually, it's like, it's this weird bending of heteronormativity back mm -hmm. into us. Right. And like, that's not what we're doing, you know? And some, there's some people who are struggling and they put out really gatekeepy stuff into the world. And that is more a reflection on them than any event, you know? I just, I, I, the fact that you can go sit in that park and be with so many different people. Right. Is just like an incredible experience. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I think like, you don't know what that person is going through. You might perceive that person and like that as a cis gay guy. And that's someone who's been questioning their gender. Maybe they're thinking yeah, about tra trans-feminine space. Like, you know, like the, the, you don't know what people are going through or where they are in their queerness. And like, I don't like this idea. Like one of my cis gay guy friends was like, maybe I'll come with you. And then he was joking. Like, I don't know. I don't want to take up space. And I was like, there's a whole park. It's like a you're not park with no taking fences. up space. Like it's fine. <laughs> I, no. I think that it just felt very strange to me. Like it felt like this sort of, I get it. it I get that. I don't know, like that, that the naming of it as Dyke Day makes people think it's exclusionary. But it's, yeah, it's it's so weird to me because it's way more inclusive. They don't know the history of, of Dyke at all. Well, of course, yeah. And, you know, then again, I want to talk about, so I uh, I have a trans woman friend who uh, is not doesn't have as big as a fan base as I do. And so she's on Twitter constantly, like she, she has used like Dyke and Faggot and stuff. And on mm -hmm. JBU, my other podcast, I don't, I do say dyke and I do say faggot and I'm, yeah. and I'm not like all the time, but if it comes up, <laughs> sure. not take yeah. it all the time. Yeah. 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 I don't care. You just do whatever you want. I don't, I don't do like D slur and F slur because I feel like, um, it's a misunderstanding of our history. It's a misunderstanding yes. of like what my experiences have been as a queer person. And so for her, she's like, I was a trans woman. Like I'm a trans woman. Like I am a dyke and I'm a faggot. I don't want, I don't need uh -huh. to explain that to you. And so, but then I've seen like other friends of mine with like bigger fan bases, younger fan bases, or like myself, you know, people have lately even like come to me and said, hey, it's, we don't think it's cool when on your show you use the word bitch, which is like, mm. I'm not saying people are bitches. Like usually what they mean is like, if my, my, my pr producer, Melissa says something funny and I go, bitch, you know, uh -huh. and they were like, which is so faggoty anyway, but they're like, don't, sure. they're like saying like, hey, we don't want you to, you know, we think that you should think about that when you're talking to to women now. And I was like, no, I should Now? 
They specifically yeah. say now. Because I'm a guy. That's interesting. Unquote. I mean. Because I'm a man. Yeah, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, one, you've never hung out with, like, I just feels like you've never hung out with gay people. And also, two, I shan't. Like, I'm yeah. not, I, I'm not going to. And I'm also not going to, like, bow to, like, um, people who aren't understanding the history of dyke and faggot. And, like, you're not out, you're not out in the world. Like, if you hung out sure. with queer people, the way that we talk to each other, like, sorry. <laughs> well, and also just to say, like, it, it's not, I mean, not to dismiss what you're saying, but it's like. Oh, no, you can disagree. Sure, it's you don't know the history of these words or whatever. But it's also dismissing the history of you using that word on your podcast with this person. Like right. it's it, you're not like suddenly all <laughs> like referring to all women as such. Right. You know? Like it, it it the the word you're using using the word bitch with this person is something that you've already done before. And like I just like I personally believe in transcending the binary in ways as such as this, where it's like, mm -hmm. wait, now all of a sudden you think it's bad, and it's like. Yeah, no, it's it's it, like we're kind of that's just taking things at purely face value and not spent like like it does bother me that people come out uh, and say like, I'll never call myself queer because that's a slur. You right. know, it's like, come on. Right. Like, what are you what are you? I know, like, I, whatever. I don't know what everybody means, but I'm like, you just don't want to be queer because it puts you in a camp with all the rest of us. Exactly. Like, you think you're different. Exactly. And like, you know, everybody's a human or whatever. And. I just, you know, I, my experience in just my life, and I don't know if this, how much this actually directly has to do with transition, but I, I just like, you know, it is one thing to to me to hear a cis straight person use fag or dyke. That's very different. Of course. But different. I'm not a cis straight person, you right. know, like, so right. it's like slowing down enough to be like, to hear the intentionality behind something. Because mm -hmm. when I was first started in stand up, that was like, Man, so many comics, and it was mostly guys, but I heard women do it too. Like the punchline was them talking about getting called fag as a slur. Yes, and yes. it just was so it was so constant mm -hmm. that I stopped ever using it. And then I realized, like, oh, I've I've allowed their which it's changed, but and then it's changed back because now there's just with comedy being on the internet the way that it is now, it's like, who cares? Like we can't, right. you can't monitor what people are saying at all. Like just right. the only thing, and, and I guess this is ultimately the point is the only thing you can do is uh, what you want to do and what you want to put out in the world, you know? And like, and I found that like, not like referring to myself as fag and not referring to myself as dyke was actually shutting myself off from, parts of myself and allowing myself to like accept the parts that people don't want to accept actually exactly. like exactly. that's what I love about those words and using them and I don't use them often you know no, but me neither but I, I, it's like oh when I say it it like it actually makes me feel good because it makes me f go like right I am a fucking fag <laughs> You know, like yeah. I, for a minute, for a minute, I was like, well, I don't know what I was trying to be accepted by people who would never accept me. It's like, no, right. man, I'm a fucking fag, dude. Like, I, <laughs> you know, like I might just look like a hillbilly all the time, but there's hillbilly fags out there and I'm one of them. So like, it's just, and, and it, to me, it's not specific to behavior or right. anything. It's, it's whatever you want it to be. And, and I think we've lost that a little bit in the years, the decade of all the, language shifting and changing and stuff and like i i see it as it's changing again the joy 
yeah. the joy of calling yourself those things is so fun yes. and funny. And also, uh, if you've ever been called that in a mean way, you get to call yourself it. Yeah, if you've ever been at a college party and a girl has not called you, a, like girl has called you a dyke and poured a beer on your head, then... <laughs> Then you like has happened to me, then you don't get to say what I can say or not say. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's like a great place to end. <laughs> oh, and shout out to someone who at the time, I don't know where they are now, but someone named Katie Meyer who like poured a beer back on that girl's head. So whoever oh. you are and wherever you've been, Katie what Meyer, what, a what an ally to the community. <laughs> I think she is a lesbian. <laughs> okay, well, great. The ally to lesbian pipeline is is alive and well. <laughs> well, hopefully people are upset by this, and I welcome that because, like, yeah, uh, the only time I've ever changed is when I when I get upset. I don't ever change uh, when everything's perfect and I feel fine. So I won't I, change. I welcome your frustration. Um, perhaps not directly into my inbox, but uh, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> I won't change, and I won't grow, and okay. nobody can expect that from me. Well, Gabe doesn't have to do that, but that's why <laughs> Rivers here. <laughs> and uh you know support your local dyke day and if you don't have one then maybe you should throw one yourself and uh you can use dyke day la as your little blueprint and then make one specific for you because i think it's a really powerful and important event and I, it's very life-giving and i the, i want to say one last thing which is uh i used to mow my lawn with my 2003 ipod like actual ipod that had uh latigra's uh dyke march like it had two they they only had two albums at the time, I think. And I used to like mow my lawn to Dyke March. And one of the things, you know, because it's it's like a it's a sampled song with March, like people marching oh. and then just like interviews with people at the San Francisco cool. Dyke March. Uh, and one of the things is, you know, uh, nobody tells me where to stand. Nobody tells me where to be. And like that is what Dyke Day is like. Nobody tells me where to stand. Nobody tells me where to be. It's just a bunch of dykes, you know, and like yeah. everybody's just there. I got to meet people's children. I got to, you know, I got to meet people I, I'd been wanting to meet for a long time. It just is like a really powerful experience. And so, yeah, shout out to La Tigra and shout out to Dyke Day LA. Thanks for putting on a, a beautiful event year after year where all the exes get to cry in the bathroom line. Good Lord. Well, um, <laughs> up next, we are going to be interviewing PD Gibson. So stay tuned. This episode is sponsored by Pansy Aesthetics. Pansy Aesthetics is an L.A.-based, black, and queer-owned and operated aesthetic studio founded by Leola Lula, a.k.a. The Lesthetician. Pansy caters specifically to the LGBTQ communities and allies. All ages, bodies, skin types, genders, or lack thereof, and concerns are welcomed. Leola specializes in top surgery and FFS post-op scar care, acne management, restorative skin care, chemical peels, hydrofacial, and more. I've been to Leola twice, and it was a very soothing and welcoming experience. I'm sure you've heard of the Lesthetician on Instagram. I posted pictures if you want to go see them at Gabe S. Dunn. She's given me so much really positive and um, easy-to-do skincare stuff to take home, but she also did such a good job of my top surgery scars that literally other people noticed. Um, and it's just a very welcoming and beautiful space, and you will not regret going to see her. Pansy is a proud supporter of The New Guys, and all listeners of The New Guys receive a 15% discount. Enter code TKG15 at checkout. Oh my god, The New Guys is so happy. 
to uh, bring our our next guest on our our guest. Not really a next guest because we only have one guest per episode. He's already laughing. It's fantastic. Um, I am so stoked to welcome actor, writer, producer, comedian, and pal of mine, P.D. Gibson. Welcome to the new guys, P.D. Thanks so much for being here. Hi. Thanks, fellas, for having me. I really appreciate it, and I really like this podcast. So, um, And I just like you guys, so this is like I just get to hang out with you. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, that's that's the goal is it's just like a fun hangout with friends and then other people get to listen. You know? Yeah. And then everyone gets to like have a cup at the door. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, River's known you for uh, like he said, 12 years or something. And I met you, I don't know, in the last six months. So <laughs> we suddenly found ourselves at like the same events over and over and over and over until we were like, you want to just be friends? Because we just seem to be here all the time. And to thus be, it was born. To be fair, most of them were trans mask events. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, was like, it quite literally the trans mask mis- mixer? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the people listening who do not live in Los Angeles or and or participate in the industry that the three of us all part- participate in, there is a very fun event called the Trans Mask Mixer that uh, happens once a month. And it's like people from... All walks of the industry, the industry being Hollywood, I guess, Hollywood, <laughs> question baby. mark. Um, and so I've not been able to go, but I'm always jealous of the photographs. Uh, and I really I'm there. I feel like I'm there in spirit every time because uh, it's so many people. I know I, I hope to come. I'm not yeah. uh, working next month. So oh, <laughs> nice. Or the month that we're currently in because we have banked these episodes. So <laughs> thanks, writer strike. That's right. So, Petey, I wanted to ask, so you said you're from Boston, like, on your bio. Did you guys research me? I read your bio. I Abe did. I did not research you. I know you. And I just, hey, gonna, hey, and that's okay. This is why it works. <laughs> yeah. No, it's beautiful. So, I wanted to ask, like, what your journey was of queerness. Like, were you out in high school? Were you, like, what that was like in, in Boston when you were a young person? Oh, my journey of queerness. Um... Yeah, I say I'm from Boston. I grew up on the Cape, though, on Cape Cod, uh, the poor part of Cape Cod. So not <laughs> don't you all think that I'm some I own a boat. Um, I'm the guy who cleans the pee off the boat. You know Clean what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it doesn't have to be pee. Well, um, yeah, no. I mean, I'm sure it was. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. would know. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I di- So I'm um, 40, uh, also a geriatric millennial. Live it at the title, and also it feels right. Um, everything hurts. Um, so I did come out as a lesbian in high school on the Cape. I was one of the very few, it was like me and my high school boyfriend came out as gay at like the same time. That's very sweet. Theater club, I mean, that's that was just drama club. I was gonna say, were you like the only quote lesbian around? Were there other lesbians? I mean. I'm assuming you were the only one out in high school at the time. I think so. And then were there lesbians about on Cape Cod that you saw? I knew of two other lesbians and dated them both. Of course. Um, And they were both like older than me and we we weren't really a match, but we (laughs) were gay and that was enough. (laughs) Gave it a shot. Gave it a shot. Gave it the old Um, gay try. (laughs) We did our best, we know. (laughs) Um, My coming out was like, super freeing and exciting for me personally and also really freed me like um I felt like I started to like know who I was I felt very like uh 
I just didn't really even have a personality. And someone was like, you know, you're gay, right? And I was like, I am. And like, that was like, oh my God, incredible. I'm gay. Not that it became my whole identity, but I think I finally like was a person because I had Mm -hmm. sort of a chaotic dad and I was the oldest of four kids and I just was a really good student. So it was like, I just did those things that like applied to other people and just was like a really Mm -hmm. like good nerdy (laughs) kid you know you said something pd just now that i like really resonate with and i think is like kind of important right now you were like it didn't become like my whole identity and i think that it's easy for people to uh misinterpret a foundational element to a human being the discovery of that being oh I'm queer. That's what this is. That's what I was missing. And the exuberance and jubilation of that, uh, people are then, oh, God, it's like their whole thing. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it kind of is. Like, it's at least the beginning and the foundational element of that. And it's like, dude, I'm happy for people if they're like, no, I'm just straight. It's like, great. I'm happy for you to know that. But it's like you were handed that at like four years old, as was I. And I was like, I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't right. know about that. And then it took a while, you know, as 40 years, year olds, we weren't living through the same time. Uh, now you got there in high school, which I'm very happy for you. Uh, that like, then when you find it, you're like, oh my, it's like air, you know, where you're like, oh, all this other stuff makes so much more sense. Absolutely. Well, straight people make being straight their whole personality. Right. And it just is the like water. Yes. Right. And exactly. they don't realize it. Well, the good, the good straights, do, the ally straights do. But yeah. wait, so okay, so you were in high school, and like, then I'm always fascinated by people who are out in high school because either they're like 25 and they came out in high school, and I'm like, good for you. And then like, there are people who are like in their who are like in their 40s who are out in high school. I can't imagine. I'm 35. <laughs> I cannot imagine being out in high school. Like, I mean, that's just so wild to me. Like, what was the reaction of everyone like around you? So it was the year. 2000, I graduated high school 2001. Mm. So it was at a time where like, it was kind of beginning to be like cool and brave. Like I wasn't in like that 90s, like we're going to fucking kill you. Um, But and it was still new enough where no one was doing it that it, I was I think I just hit this like really lucky spot. So like mm. in high school, And it allowed me to be really free. I think I was just like kept to myself. But once I realized, once someone basically told me that I was gay uh, in a really loving way, it wasn't like, you're gay. And I'm like, yeah. How Um, did they know? Because I couldn't stop talking about this girl that I had a crush on. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. even, I I didn't have a lot of friends. So I didn't realize that my experience wasn't other people's experience. And then when I got friends, I started talking about how beautiful women were and how I had this crush on this person. And they were like, you're gay. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> They're like, that's fucking gay. That's what gay is. And I was like, I'm gay? I, I'm not like, oh, look, guys, I'm a fucking idiot. This is pretty much my experience at 37 well, when I was working with trans youth. And they were like, you're, you're, tra- you're trans. And I was like, what? I had the same experience where I was like, wait, <laughs> cis women don't think about standing up to pee all the time? Like every time you go to the bathroom, you don't think about that? And my friends were like, no, dude. <laughs> and I was like, I've been thinking about it my whole life. 
the whole time. <laughs> yeah, oh I God. am a cute idiot, I think. I mean, I me too. Welcome to the cute, cute idiot, cute, silly guys club. <laughs> I had that with autism where so many autistic people had to be like, you know, it's really exhausting talking to like neurotypical people, but I don't know. You just, it's like, feels so um, like comfortable <laughs> talking to you. And I'd be like, that's so sweet. So many autistic people feel so comfortable about me. <laughs> Wait, are you autistic, Gabe? I did not know this about you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did not know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a funny experience because like some people, well, I when I was telling people that like I expected like a no, you and so many people were like, yeah, duh. Yo, yes. Same with being trans. I right? was like, guys, I'm trans. And they're like, yeah, finally. And I was like, <laughs> someone could have mentioned this 10 years ago. I don't know. Sometimes you need like other people to be like, wow, it's just oh, so. for sure. Yeah. We always need other people, I think. Um, yeah. Oh, but Petey, to go yeah. back to, you, you were talking about the really specific time. And I think, you know, it's interesting too to talk about, uh, because Massachusetts, you know, which is like, I, I don't like to get down with red state, blue state, because I think it's like, I don't think it's helpful, but I do think that, you know, Massachusetts well-being a complicated place, just like everywhere else, um, that time was sort of actively uh, fight. Not, I don't want to say fighting, but they were they were in in balance to the sort of national conversation that was beginning to happen around. We need a constitutional amendment to stop these queers from getting what they want, <laughs> which is like, you know, like the president was going to start saying like, oh, it's between a man and, and a woman. And mm -hmm. that conversation was beginning to happen nationally. Yeah. Uh, and Massachusetts was one of the states that was like, no, well, let's move away. Let's let's do the opposite of that, basically. Um, and, and was had, you know, um, opposite, say, you know, whatever. Yeah. Queer marriage, marriage equality. And so I feel like a little bit of that was around in the region that you were at just to remind, I don't know, just to remind people that that's what that conversation was like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, what a weird time. That was like six or seven years after my coming out though. And that was sure. more in like Boston proper than the Cape, mm -hmm. which is a little more conservative. Oh, totally. I don't mean people were fighting for gay marriage at your high school. I just mean <laughs> the, you know, like the things, th this is what, this is where the, the converse, this is what was happening culturally politically yeah it wasn't alabama know. right right no right. and uh, yeah uh, and also nothing is static and everything is moving at at the same time you know because i was in ohio and i went to a catholic high school and like there were a bunch of queers there but none of us were like we're gay because it's a catholic high school but it's like every we everybody knew you know like i had a friend who dressed like oliver wilde and walked with a cane you know so and everybody's like yeah but we also love him they dress like oscar wilde Yes, every day. Wow. With gloves and everything. Wow. That's gay as fuck. That's it so was gay. very gay. He's very gay. Oh my god. <laughs> and we had gay twins and then there was me. What? <laughs> you know, but I was like, but I have a boyfriend. It you know, turns out I'm, you know, bi. That's what that is. But uh, you know, just like a wild thing to be in a Catholic school. Anyways, Petey, your experience. I was gonna say, Petey, did you go to college in Boston? Uh, yeah, briefly. I went to Emerson College in 2001. Me too. You did? Yes, I went to Emerson. <laughs> did you drop out also? No, I didn't. I stayed. Oh, good for you. But I went good for you. I went there because it was listed as like number 3 on Princeton Review gayest schools. <laughs> but it <laughs> What was 1 and 2? It was like um Antioch was number 1 oh. and then I think Smith Vassar or something <laughs> was number 2. 
I don't know. I don't really know. But I uh, I also had plausible deniability because they had a really good journalism program and that's what I wanted to study. So I was like, this is this is good. I'll go to Emerson. Smart. Did you do the same thing? I went, no, I, I, I got a scholarship and that I went to Emerson, but then I, um, quickly had like a full mental breakdown and left. I, so my coming out was like incredible for me and socially went really well, but at my home, it was really terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I ended up like getting kicked out of my house and my senior year was like living on friends floors and stuff like that. Um, and it, 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 like the trauma sort of like didn't catch up to me until like four months into school and I just like couldn't stop crying. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, I went from like a straight A AP student to like I, I haven't turned in a paper in weeks and I I was like, I'm going to fail out of college. It was so weird because I was like such a like good student and I just like couldn't. So I started making pizzas. Mm. Where? At Upper Crust. Oh, I like in Upper Beacon Crust. Hill. That one on Charles Street. I was, yeah. I miss that job. Like if I could make pizzas every night. <laughs> Were you throwing them in the air and stuff? I can throw. I can throw a pizza. I can throw an 18 inch pizza just fully above my head, spin around, and catch it. I mean, oh my god, dude! Why are we not? doing this why are we not doing a pizza podcast i don't know <laughs> the pizza guys <laughs> the pizza guys <laughs> trans pizza shop quick what is it called um it, it, uh, in the calzone no that's not <laughs> i don't like that olive olive trans i no. love trans. no it's very it's i i'm good. i'm saying this the pizza out. guys i'm calling it now it's just simply the pizza guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Pepper trans... pep, pepper testosterone. Hear me out. <laughs> no, we're not gonna no. be hearing that thing. Damn not. it! Okay, wait. <laughs> so why did you like making pizzas so much? <laughs> Would is there anyone that wouldn't like me? I don't know. I think like I really love the God, I don't want to jinx myself because I just got out of the restaurant industry after 22 years. Um, but I really love working in restaurants and like on a Friday night when like a whole like team is working in sync and I've been in the kitchens, I've been front of house, I mostly waited tables, but like being in that zone of like everyone, like the mm -hmm. whole machine is working really well and you like have this silent relationship with your coworkers where you're just like going at mm -hmm. full speed and then finally like the restaurant closes and everyone just kind of looks at each other and like, we did it. Like for me, that's a real rush. So I'm not trying to put out into the universe that I would like to go back to restaurants. But if I had to, I who knows how long this well, writer strike will go. I might. <laughs> I might be Here's back. the thing: what you just described is also now. I'm going to use this as a beautiful segue uh, because let's let's get into a non-linear storytelling of P.T. Gibson's life story. <laughs> that what you just described is like putting on a show. You know, yes, it's exactly. producing. Exactly a show so when did you get into you know th throwing shows producing shows like how how did that come about what are you doing now let's talk about now as well you know wherever oh, you want to go um yeah i've been producing shows for quite a while i started as a um a drag king um i joined a drag king troupe called all the king's men in boston in 2000 maybe four three or four what was your drag name we were in a troupe where we like played all these different characters and all these different genders. It was kind of like this whole made up like genre. I've never seen a show like it. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have like a name. I 
before I transitioned, I started coming out and doing drag here and I went by Peter Rabbit. That's cute. Because, <laughs> like, that guy fucks. You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. <laughs> cute little jacket, no pants. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely, yes. <laughs> a thief. Uh, yeah. So I'm in the uh, I'm in the the drag king to trans guy pipeline. Um, <laughs> Do you want to talk which, about that a little? Yeah, <laughs> I think is. you should actually. Drag kings are don't get their flowers these days in the Yo. in the movement in the cultural movement. So this Yo. is what this podcast is for. You need. I produced a drag king show. I we just hit our five year mark. It's in um, Los Angeles. We're called Them Fatal. Yes. <laughs> you can follow us at Them Fatal Drag Kings. Yeah, and you should. Um, we were just in the LA Times. Yeah, I Whoa. saw that. It was a great. The it was Sunday, a I got piece. the Sunday paper yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. been really exciting. Um, and I'm making a doc about drag kings as well. But yeah, drag kings do not. Um, if you're listening, you don't know what a drag king is. It's essentially performing masculinity the same way that drag queens perform femininity. Uh, and I. Man, did I love putting on a beard. I love how I looked. I love how I walked. I love how I was received. S like stippling on a beard. I was like, oh my God, look how cute I look. And then I would like wash it off and just like go home and be sad. I did that for like mm -hmm. a long time. And then I started working with youth. And one of the things that we do, we'd like when we put on shows and stuff, I would like put beards on like young kids. And I could also, I saw the look in their eyes. It was mm -hmm. like, they were also, you know, young trans guys getting to see themselves in a beard for the first time. Like kids just like, you know, little young trans boys like crying and that was so cute. And then, man, when my beard grew in, I was like, holy crap, this was that feeling. That yeah, dude. <laughs> it's like painting this. I was like, oh, this is what I look like. I didn't yeah. look how I looked until I was like 39 years old. I was like, oh, I've spent my whole life just being like a half-formed potato and now I'm like <laughs> – now I'm like, oh, yeah, there's my face. Sometimes I feel like I was so good at performing femininity that I mm. I didn't – that I was like, oh, this is – like I didn't realize. Like if I had been really bad at it or something. So like were, were you like, oh, maybe I'm just really good at being a drag king or were you like, oh, no, this is eye-opening? I think it was just nice to like cosplay. I don't know. I was a character like c comedian. Mm -hmm. So like I think I just – I didn't – Kind of like in high school, I just didn't really think a lot about like myself, but I would pour myself into these characters. So I did a show for many years called The Mary Dolan Show. I dressed up as this 86-year-old ex-vaudevillian and I performed with like a puppet co-host. It was a fantastic I, show. I did your that show once. You did it out in, in Los Angeles. You did it and I did that show. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's... It was a fucking nutty, just <laughs> wild show. So like the reason I came out to LA was to go to Groundlings and to like, so I was always like writing for characters and doing character stuff. And it's interesting since I transitioned, I don't really do character stuff anymore. And I think it's because it's like, I finally know who I am. I'm not always Aww. putting a mask on. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of sad because I sort of like <laughs> lost 15 years of like this character career and I, I don't know if I inadvertently killed Mary Dolan I'm I'm not sure she hasn't come back but I don't know it was her time to go I guess you know? I I can't like think about the fact that I'll never like I'll never do her again but I also can't imagine like shaving my beard and yeah totally so I don't know it's just really weird like my transition sort of like changed the course of my whole career like now i'm suddenly like on a fox drama you're on a television yeah show. it's the other thing 
<laughs> now I'm like playing like a serious male scientist. And before I was doing like women who were doing like pussy jokes. Like I don't, I lost yeah. all, I lost my full career being a, a female character comedian, <laughs> like groundling strained comedian. And now I'm like, <laughs> guess I'm just a dude saying science words. On television. <laughs> On TV. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, not to, I don't want to like, there's no hierarchy to those two things. Like <laughs> both of them are fully valid uh, and, 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 and beloved art forms, but it's also like you're on television too. <laughs> but I think that's really powerful and beautiful that you're like, yeah, I was putting on all these characters and embodying them. And now I, I don't, I just don't do it because I'm, I am embodied, you know? And I, I relate to that very deeply. Like my, yeah. I'm, I haven't changed what I'm doing, but the way that I do it is very different. Like the amount of feedback I get from people when I get off stage of like, wow, you laugh a lot. <laughs> like <laughs> I literally never laughed before. I, I was just like, this is what my life is like. And this is funny, right? Ha 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 ha. You know, like it, I couldn't, I couldn't access it before, you know? Were you trained to do drama at all? No. Or like what was? Yeah, no, I never took a... <laughs> I never took an acting class, which is really it's, weird. <laughs> it's very funny. I had a similar experience. Like, I've been put in so much dramatic stuff, and I'm like, why do you guys keep doing I'm a comedian. Why are you doing this? Yeah, we're like <laughs> trained fucking idiots. Uh, but, I, but I was going to say, I remember the first time I saw you do stand-up post-transition, and I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is a totally different – because I remember <laughs> yeah. you used to stand. You would have your arms crossed really tight, and you'd hold the mic like – yeah out and you were always just like oh my god i remember that i just remember? had a flash memory whoa yes. yeah, you were like very closed off and you like delivered stuff really dry and i remember oh, yeah. seeing you post-transition it was like you were like walking around the stage it was like, <laughs> it was like who the fuck is this guy yeah oh, yeah i remember it's, that it's me <laughs> that's a very different guy i have completely changed as an actor so i've been in la yeah. 11 years and acting all that time. So I had to transition like in the middle of my, I mean, acting career is like maybe <laughs> too strong a word sure. for what I was doing, but like I had done some stuff. I'd had a little bit of credits and I had to basically like navigate changing all of my materials. And like my team had me like make a video to send to all the casting directors that had ever seen me to just be like, hey, this is what I sound like now. And this wow, is my face. Cool. And here are the roles that I would like to go out for. And wow. we got really beautiful feedback. It was like a really kind experience, actually, because I, I think it was right at that time where Hollywood, you know, like three years ago where Hollywood was like, wait a minute, trans people. Right. You know? So I think they were, you know, hungry that they, they were like, oh, I know a trans person now. I'm, I'm cool. So you're welcome, casting. <laughs> Okay, so this is an interesting thing to me. So your character on Alert, um, mm -hmm. which is the Fox drama you're on, mm -hmm. uh, as far as I've watched or like uh, that I've seen, there was like a reveal of your character being trans, right? Yeah. So I've heard other actors talk about how they were like first going out for parts when they were starting to transition where it was like, you are a trans person. We have cast you because you look like a trans person. And now do you feel like you've gone to a place where you're being cast because it's like you quote unquote pass and now it's like, oh, this is going to be the reveal? Yeah, it's a weird little thing. So I initially was going out for like um, 
women roles or lesbian <laughs> roles. Like mm-hmm. I got cast on Broad City because it was like they were going to like an all-female restaurant. But then also I was using they, them pronouns. And so they changed my character's like name to be not the female name that they had given me. So they they kind of like switched with that. And I like played like a, a woman in court on the stand because I had like short hair and they put like lipstick on me. It was a horrifying day. That was on a different, some drama, whatever, some drama show. And then, yeah, I started getting like quote, like I'm doing air quotes for all you listeners at home, like um, non-binary roles because mm-hmm. I just looked really, you know, in between skis. So I did like, uh, I was on Grace and Frankie and it was like all these, it was a montage of like men performing for an all male theater show. And then like I show up and everyone's like, huh, what's this? <laughs> um, so I did like some of those roles. And then, yeah, I started going out because obviously we've seen the past couple of years, suddenly people are like, oh, we should put trans people on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've turned down some of those because a lot of them are like trauma based. And I'm like, I'm I'm simply too old to be like, I, I, I'm not so hungry for those roles that I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do them. Like, that's not for me. But then, yes, I got this role. I mean, A, because I'm fucking talented. Oh, but yeah. B, I am an older passing, uh, you know, quote unquote passing man who is trans. And I think I was just very, very lucky that this very niche role came along and came Mm -hmm. in front of me. And when I got the audition, I was like, a Fox drama? What are you insane? You're in the long tradition. You're in the long tradition of of uh, the character of the scientist or the tech person in the yeah. drama being kind of weird and quirky and funny. Like they're like, everyone's so serious. And then they'll like head back to the morgue or something. And that person's goofy. Like what a dream. And, like that's like a long history, right? That's yeah. my dream role. Dream role. I also feel like uh, within my own experience in my lifetime of television, that is like, I have always wanted to be the Egon. Like that is... <laughs> You yes. know, the, uh, e- Egon Spengler from, uh, yep. for no, everybody who's young from Ghostbusters, specifically the cartoon, <laughs> specifically the cartoon. That is my canon for Ghostbusters, not the movie. I don't really care about the movies. Also, if you like them, great. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> I mean the blonde nerd <laughs> mm-hmm. from Ghostbusters. Like that has always been sort of my gender space, I feel like. And so... Very happy to know you, PD, and that you are also doing that sort of space. If, <laughs> yes. if like you know, nerd gender is okay to throw on. I mean, we're both wearing exactly the same glasses, so Literally, I feel like it's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, I just bought those glasses. <laughs> they're they're hip. They're very cool. That also that that also makes me want to ask a question. And and I don't like this show specifically, or at least my approach within this podcast is. I never want to declare anything or define anything other than my own stuff or whatever. Um, Because I think you kind of can't. And I think that we're in a time within like queer liberation where, you know, like language that we have come up with for years or in our theory and in our community, whatever, in our population has now hit the mainstream and it does so on a very quick basis. And so you mentioned passing and it's like, I, I, I am like, I wonder how much weight that word can even carry anymore. Cause I feel like there's, you know, it can be wielded as a weapon against each other, you know? And I, I, it, it worries me, you know, it concerns me that like, um, we sort of weaponize these things against each other when, uh, I wonder 
how often that is the intention for folks, you know, that like we just like for me, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have jokes about that, that like I go into AutoZone now and I've gotten a promotion because people are like, what's up, boss? And like that was not my intention. But, you know, my life <laughs> is my life, you know. And so I guess I just like would love to hear your thoughts about that, especially because like you are then, you know, casting directors are cisgender. Mm -hmm. I have yet to meet a trans casting director i'm sure that they're out there but i have yet to meet them and so the terms that i am then walking into and and participating in are are cis terms like they're terms being used by cis people you know like you're saying like i went out for non-binary binary roles it's like i do that too and i'm like what what you really want is a cool girl like you don't that's yeah. what lesbian used to mean to you guys i would go out for that it would be me emma willman and then a room of girls in ponytails yeah you know like straight girls and or bi girls in ponytails yes. or whatever which is like fine like i'd rather a bi girl play a lesbian than a straight girl but like i'm like you don't want me you don't mm -hmm. want a lesbian you want a cool girl, you know, right. that the guys secretly want or whatever. Yeah, it was like me, Julie Goldman, and like <laughs> yeah. a bunch of straight girls with bobs. And I'm like, what? You mean girl with short hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean you mean straight girl with short hair who like yeah. plays basketball? And now non-binary, I think means like either um, funky colored hair and mm -hmm. or on the spectrum. There's like a yep. very weird thing that's happening in Hollywood where every non-binary role is also a spectrum role. My mm -hmm. partner yeah. is like fits that like non-binary look, that sort of like androgynous look. And like everything they mm – -hmm. every TV role they go out for is like – they're non-binary and on the spectrum and they're like mm -hmm. are these so did they know it's not the same thing or? do you mean spectrum uh do you mean autism neuro spectrum. yeah that spectrum yeah. Not which is spectrum. true yeah. like a lot of trans people are <laughs> autistic sure but it is like not the nuanced sort of conversation that these people are trying to have well yeah they're always way. trying to get a twofer without actually That's doing it you know <laughs> they're, they're always trying to get a three for a four for whatever they can do you know one thing i very much liked was i i there was a role on star trek that was just non-binary character and mm -hmm. I, I went out for that everybody went out for that and <laughs> i in my head and the two people i knew who went out for it uh who we were looking at their auditions uh were both uh quote you know we talk on this show about afab but like afab people with short hair and i was like oh it's gonna be that and then the person who got the role was Jesse James Keitel, who is a trans feminine person. And I was like, well, look at me. Like, I assumed that they were just going <laughs> to go for like that. What you were talking about, like the sort of like short haired woman part. But they went with someone who's like very, who's like very feminine, uh, a trans feminine person. And I was like, wow, OK, well, I was being narrow minded here. And so I think may, I, that was surprising to me and it shouldn't have been. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that shouldn't yeah. be something that stuck out to me when the description was non-binary because non-binary looks like whatever it looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think you were surprised by something that is atypical these days as right. opposed to – I don't necessarily think – I'm, I'm going to give you this one, Gabe. I don't think you're being narrow-minded <laughs> based on your experience of yeah. it being a certain way and being surprised and delighted that they went a different way. Like, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that people are looking for non-binary as a different thing, I would, you know, I would hope. Yeah, it's know. it's definitely changing. It's yeah. definitely changing. It's just, it's, you know. I, do you guys – do you either of you watch the other two? I haven't. No. Okay, it's a great show, and I don't need to regale you with it. But they did this; it's about the industry, so it's like very inside baseball. And I'm, I'm always like, how do other people watch this? But I'm sure that they do. But there's like a role where 
uh, they they're like, yeah, they fully wrote this for a woman, and they just made them gay without changing anything, not even the name, like a gay man, you know, wow. and like they just kind of make fun of this exact thing that we're talking about by being like, yeah, they just wrote it for a woman, and now they're putting a gay man in it, and they didn't change a single thing. Wow, <laughs> like not even the pronouns, you know, and it's like, yeah, that is that, but but what's cool is, and you're expanding my thinking, which is like. Oh, right. Yes, that is still happening, but it's not the only thing that's happening mm-hmm. and it continues to change. Um, and so to speak to roles real quick, just so I can definitely get this part in, PD and I actually got to work on a show together yes. uh, where PD was hired specifically as a trans man, uh, you know, oh, it, so explicitly. Um, and it was such a great experience. It unfortunately didn't go, Ugh. but uh, I, I'm i so grateful. I, I had a fantastic, I mean, of course I had to do my own morning and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm so grateful for that experience to have gotten to do that. Like I wasn't acting on it at all. I was, I was uh, not not just, I was writing and producing it, which was a really awesome experience. I got to work with both UPD uh, and also our friend Caden Kearney uh, working in that show and, and making a sort of, I don't know, trans trans mask narrative, which was a lot of fun. It was so exciting. Like, to, you know, and you never know how things are going to go, but to really feel like we were doing it, it was like, I read this role and I was like, oh my God, what if I got, cause I didn't have to, I got to kind of be an asshole, which you never get to do as, you no. know, cause we're, we're such, you know, new little unicorns and no one really knows what to and do. We're perfect Hold little it. angels who have just been through trauma and we yeah. never do anything and about it except Peter die. Peter Pan syndrome. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it was like, I absolutely loved it. I book, you know, it's like so exciting to like book a pilot and like we we you know flew and went there and I get to the airport and Rivers sitting there and all of a sudden it was like holy fuck wait what, was this your words did you write this and Rivers <laughs> like yes you got the part we're like yes and we like flew together like on this plane being like holy shit we're making this thing and it was really um it was so it was so exciting. Yeah, what about the role made you read it and think, okay, this is different versus like the classic sort of, oh my God, I'm passing and I'm a reveal or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Because I knew it was written by a trans person. How? There's no question in my mind. I constantly am reading like a cis version of what they think the transes are doing or saying. And this flowed so naturally and it seemed to come from such a, a... a knowledgeable place that you didn't have to say, I don't know. I, <laughs> ooh, I feel, ooh, I feel like I'm getting into a sticky sitch. I don't want to, uh, sure, but, yeah. but I, uh, it, I, it's one of those things that you, you know it when you see it. And when I read it, I was like, who did they hire? <laughs> I, I asked my agents, I was like, who's writing this? Who did, whose, whose words are these? Did they know? No, they didn't know. Yeah. No. So I just want to say what what was incredible. So this show was a pilot for FX. It was called Belated, um, and we shot this in February of 2022. We shot a pilot and a second episode, um, and in that writers' room, th- this is I have many flowers to give to Peter Tolan, who was the creator, showrunner, oh, director of it. Um, but that's not what this show's about. But I I, do, I love him dearly, and it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, what he did was he hired. Two trans guys. <laughs> he hired two. So what's incredible, and I want to give full credit, uh, Preston Max Allen is the person who wrote most of Jay's dialogue um, and that scene and and the, the things that we worked on. Um, I played a role in it, but I didn't. He wrote most of that, so I want to oh, okay. give him his credit for that. Um, 
I, I definitely workshopped some of it, but he was the person who took it home and wrote the script. Um, but what was great is that we, he, both he and I got to work on this stuff. And so it wasn't my ideas and it wasn't Preston's ideas. It was Rivers and Preston's lived experiences working together uh, to find something new, <laughs> which I think is, you know, what PD is, you know, PD, what you're talking about is like, oh, this feels right to me because it wasn't like River prescribing River's story or Preston doing Preston's story. It was something in between and a mixture of the two. And then Peter being in there too, right. which was like, I think what what is really important and what is often missing, you know, when when it, with a writer's room, you hire one and then that one person has to cover all that stuff. And it's exhausting. I've done it before. It's really tiring. <laughs> Because you can't, you can't actually come up, come up with all that stuff. And as a writer, you would never do that for just like some other subject. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So like uh, that, that I think is what was really powerful about it. It no, it's just it's so life changing. I mean, I am always the only trans person, and the fact that like I was a trans actor in a scene with another trans actor, with our trans writer on <laughs> set, standing next to the director, like in video, like it was a completely life-changing experience. And mm -hmm. it's of course destroyed everything else. Like I, you know, I it props to, you know, John Eisendrath on the alert team who really listened to what I had to say when I would give feedback on things. And like, that was a really wonderfully collaborative experience when it came to um, some things on alert. A and also, as far as I know, I was the only trans person in any department anywhere. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. the only person on this huge set in the mm -hmm. middle of Montreal who was trans. There were no trans writers. There were no trans producers. There was nobody in makeup. There was no – like – and I had to – I was exhausted by being an advocate and an – I mean, and everyone was great. This is not – it wasn't a bad experience, mm -hmm. but it is really exhausting and I think – I don't. I didn't realize how exhausting it was until I had the opportunity to be with you and Caden on a set, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Oh, is this how everyone feels? Like, does everyone <laughs> just get to be an actor? And can yeah. everyone like, because you're trying to do nuance? You know, you're an actor, so you want to mm -hmm. bring a nuanced take to the role, but you can't really explain that. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, it's not a quite a normal like. Well, my character would never do this. It's like I don't know how to understand, like, how to explain." 15 years of lived trans experience <laughs> that I'm putting onto this scientist character. The audience doesn't know that he's trans, but trans people at home probably see me and are like, holy shit, this guy's trans, you know, because <laughs> like, that passing thing again, it's like, we see yeah. it and we're like, brother, I see you, baby. But like mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, a lot of like older folks watch these procedural shows. So I think probably to them, it was a surprise. So I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's really exhausting being the only one. And, and, you know, Hollywood is changing. And that's part of the trans map to bring back the trans max, trans mask mixer. Like that's part of it. So, like, when I book a job, like, what before I booked Alert, I wanted to have a conversation with the creator. And I said, Have you hired a trans writer? Because now mm -hmm. I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not just going to say yes to stuff. I'm going to see what type of environment I'm walking into. And I'm going to advocate. I have a very small name still, but I'm also not going to walk into a space and not try to bring 10 people along with me. Mm -hmm. So I think like that's my ambition as I continue to grow is to be like, well, who's producing on this? Who's in the writer's room? Do you have any trans crew people? Here's the list of five 
people that I know. Here's a gaffer mm-hmm. that I know. Here's that like ha- we have to scale up together. And I think what I love about the mixer and shout out to Jack Kelly who organizes the mixer. Jack Kelly's a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about the mixer is that it has really allowed our community to be a community rather than us being transactors fighting for the one role a year. Yeah, like yeah. I'm genuinely happy, you know? It's like when I booked alert, I had no less than 10 friends immediately say, oh, is this alert? Is this because I went out for that role? It was like, you know, everyone, mm. all, we all go out for all the same roles. We're all you know competing for the very few roles that are out there. Uh, maybe I'm being a Pollyanna, but I do feel like it allows us to be like a win for one is a win for all because we're a community. Mm-hmm. And then we can say, all right, and now I want you to bring Jet Garrison into direct. And now this yeah. role, could he be trans? Could we bring in Sean Dasani? Could we, who's, the, you know, who's the gaffer? Who's this? Who's that? And yeah, I actually don't don't think I just recently looked up Pollyanna because uh, I keep hearing people using it. And it's not a bad thing. Right. The the definition of it is not a not technically a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just having a, you know, continued optimism and positivity. So like well, why that's, not? You that's know? not something our society values, unfortunately. Well, no, but I mean I don't know. I thought Haley Mills was great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Look, I model my masculinity after Mr. Fred Rogers. So yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, dude, me too. Yeah. What an <laughs> so icon. Why not? I think they they you at least from what you had said when we talked at the mixers that there and you said now there aren't trans writers and like another friend of mine is on a show that uh also didn't have any trans writers and he's like a main character and that was a little bit that was a little bit surprising to me maybe making me a Pollyanna as well where (laughs) I was sort of like well what what like that seems strange to me well, this industry is so like who you know, which yeah. is mm-hmm. a good and bad thing. You know, it's not in right. some ways it's like not even a value because it just makes sense. You know, it's like you come up with people. Like if I was making a comedy short, I immediately think of my groundlings friends because mm-hmm. I came up with, you know, these people were doing classes and classes for years and years and years. I know them. I know their rhythms. I know, oh, this person would be great for this role, whatever. So like that makes sense. But when you don't know trans people, mm-hmm. they're not – in the list of Mm -hmm. 20 people that you think of when there are four writers positions available, you think, well, I worked with this person on this show and I know they're good and they're reliable. So it's a matter of like knowing people and it's a matter of being intentional and being intersectional in your casting and in front of and behind the camera. And it's like when the, when you see black, you know, black characters or black shows and they are, you know, there aren't black people in the writer's room. It's like, what are you even fucking doing? What is the point? What is your, what is the point of this? It's the same thing that you're saying about, you know, the mixer and creating that community. It's like we get to do the same thing that you're talking about, which is like, yeah, you bring your friends along. It's it's like, OK, who are my friends? You know, because yeah. I think often, you know, in in this industry and then I would say it applies to other industries. It's like you're you are made to think you need to elbow each other out. You know, it's like, well, me and PD are now enemies because yeah. clearly we're going out for the same thing. So mm-hmm. never again, you know, or whatever. And it's like, actually, it's way more helpful when we stay in community with each other and realize that, like you said, one win is a win for all of us. And we actually keep building that out, you know, and creating that thing that happened on Belated, which is like yeah. three people working on a scene plus the assistant is also trans. You know, it's like we had many people in a moment that we were not like alone, you know, it, it, it also allowed for me to help protect you guys as talent in a way that like, 
wasn't available before. You know, yeah, I, I very much had conversations that you guys didn't have to have. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, I can't believe I get to I like I, I literally was like, I can't believe I get to do this. Yeah. Because it was based on conversations that I had to have as talent, which was exhausting like you I, I don't it's hard to you know it, we get into territory of like oh you're you know whining about this and it's like no I'm not whining about the job it's making my job harder like I can't actually do this job that I get to do right because I have to have these educational conversations that are uh very difficult because it's education about your actual self yeah to other human beings while you're trying to focus on a character that you're trying to play, you know? They have to listen to you. That's the big thing is that if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, I hired some trans people, it's like, sure. But are you listening to what they're saying? Like mm -hmm. before I was trans, I would go in and I would be like the, the queer writer in the writer's room, like just as a general queer writer. And, and I, I, how many times did they say, okay, you're in the room. But then when I would speak up, they would, they, they would not take my suggestion or they would not listen to me. So they could say, oh, we have, you know, go to the press and say, oh, we have four or five queer writers or whatever, mm -hmm. or, or look at this queer and trans actor on our show. But then, but then in the actual practice in the room, they were not listening. Even when like, sometimes I would have like very emotional reactions to things um, and they just it, it would be like a situation where they would be like, well, you're you should be grateful that you're here, but we're not going to actually listen to anything that you have to say. Yeah, it's it's building. It's I I, I want to be part of the movement of building infrastructure, mm -hmm. you know, that say that like so for me, that's part of my responsibility. Like when I sat with the alert team and I said, who have you hired and what you know, we need to be asking these questions rather than feeling like I'm so lucky to have this job. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's also yeah. a privilege of like my age. Mm -hmm. I'm just been at this long enough and I feel so content in my body that I don't have a fear that, you know, if I was 21 years old and really nervous about Hollywood and didn't want to fuck up and wanted to just like do whatever it took to get the role and I'm not, I I have a really full and beautiful life. So like I, I don't have that fear maybe of like speaking up. And so mm -hmm. that's part of my responsibility is to, you know, it's, I'm essentially an elder in the community, even though <laughs> I'm 40 know. years old. And and I take that really, really seriously. And I take making connections really seriously. If I know that people are doing a project, I say, hey, do you have any trans people on your set? Even if it's not a trans project, if friends are doing stuff, I say, hey, if you need people, I have recommendations for you. Hey, I know. Hey, wh why don't you hire Pat Schaefer to do the music for your thing? It's like, just because they're they're trans doesn't mean that that's the only thing that they're adding. Like, these are also <laughs> deeply talented professional people. But also being trans is pretty rad. So, I mean, it is a bonus. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're saying like, Hey, would you like somebody around you who has done excruciating excavation work to know themselves <laughs> and then has done the work of telling everyone that they know, and then has handled all that stuff. Like trans people are so fucking magical and such yep. higher beings. Uh, like I, I guess like no shade, but I really do feel like, you know, the, the amount of, I, I feel this way, especially about trans teenagers. Like it's so devastating how harshly they are judged when I, I've had a lot of conversations with like parents of trans teens who are, you know, nervous or whatever. And I think that's part of my activism work is to, is to talk to um, parents because I feel like I always reflect back to them. Like, how lucky are you? that you have a young person in your family who knows themselves so well that no matter what they've been told their entire life, they've come to you and said, something's wrong. 
I don't feel right. This isn't right. And like how lucky that you, your child trusts you enough to help them navigate something that's so wrong. Like your child is a genius. Like your child is an emotional genius that they are looking around at every, like every single thing that they've ever been told and they still know themselves well enough to go, I I don't know you guys, like this isn't, this isn't, this isn't right. Something is not right. Like we should revel in trans people like what a higher like someone who really really looks has a sense of self and a sense of like transformation it's incredible i love that what have the parents been responding to stuff like that usually they cry because they think they need someone to tell them hey your kid is actually like fucking incredible i think it's really a i think they carry a lot of burden of fear and so to just have somebody look them in the eye and go man, how lucky are you? Mm -hmm. They usually are just, it's overwhelming because I think, of course, in this society and this day and age and all the stuff that's happening, it's like, of course they're scared. But I think it's nice. And I think if anyone listening, like knows someone who's going through this, it's a really nice reflection to the people around, especially a young trans person is to be like, how lucky are you that you have a trans person in your own family? Mm -hmm. Like, because I think, as a trans person, I'm able to help other people who aren't trans really look at themselves because mm-hmm. I, I'm i not a person who does small talk. I'm a person <laughs> who like says to my friends, like, what are you excited about? Or like, hey, what's what's been happening with you? Like, I'm interested in someone's internal journey. And I think cis straight people are not always afforded those questions because you're mm-hmm. like you said before, River, like they're sort of handed their life on a plate. So their questions are like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Right. Mm-hmm. And our questions are like, who am I going to be when I grow up? <laughs> right, yeah. right. And I think that like cishet people can really learn from trans people. Like we should all be doing that. We, there, there's, we have sort of other language. We have like, um, you know, like a midlife crisis is like a word that straight people use. Uh, when they when they go, wait, I've been a banker for 20 years and I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> I've wanted to be an artist. I've wanted to make ceramics in Vermont this whole time. And they go and they do it and they're like, holy fuck, I never mm. knew. And so it's like, we'll, we'll call those people like hippies or they have like a midlife <laughs> crisis yeah, or they're yeah, like yeah. empty nesters or they're nomads. But it's like, y'all, no, that's, that's transitioning. Like that's you looking yep. at yourself being like, what do I have to do to stay alive and be my best self? It's for everybody. Transition is for everybody. It really is. I mean, that's that's yeah. I mean, I don't need to. I don't need to put a button on that. Transition is for everybody. <laughs> that's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, well, Petey, I mean, where can people find you? Other than we've talked about alert, um, where can people find you and your work and what you're doing and what are you excited about? God, I'm just so excited. I'm excited about the sandwich I'm gonna have later. I <laughs> I love being. I don't know if you could tell from how excited my voice is, but like, I fucking love being trans. I love talking to trans people. Like being trans is the greatest gift of my life. Yep. Uh, so I'm really excited about everything big and small, but um, mm-hmm. this is a business question that you've asked me, um, not an existential one. So you can find me at PD underscore Gibson. I think I'm the only PD Gibson, um, which emotionally feels good. And also um, SEO wise feels good. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that on it? That's on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram, I'm there. I'm not on Elon Musk's um, Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I have a website that Gabe, I know, has been to, pdgibson.com. You can find my bio there. Beautiful headshots. (laughs) Gorgeous headshots. And then uh, 
What, really what's up with the uh, them fatal? Let everybody know. Give a little shout out to them fatal. I feel like this is probably going to come out after our pride party, but like, please come to a them fatal show. Um, it's an outdoor, real like community celebration. It's very much a um, we have a lot of ethics around like community and accessibility mm-hmm. and welcoming people in. It is a drag king show with the absolute greatest drag kings that. Uh, LA has to offer. And it's, we still haven't had all the drag kings in LA on, and we've been going for five years. That tells you how rich the community (laughs) is. But there's a part during the show where you can come up on stage and just introduce yourself if you're looking for new friends or you're looking to make out with someone or you have a small business you want to tell people about. Like people come to our show and they meet friends and lovers and they have a great time. So like, do just come. It's Even so if you can't sweet. afford to come, send us an email. We'll give you a comp. Like it's not about yeah. – and we donate all the money. I should probably say it's also a fundraiser show. So the money goes to a, a queer or trans organization. So um, that's a real passion project of mine. And then I'm working on a couple documentaries. So ask me in three years what I'm working on. <laughs> okay, great. And does does Them Fatal have an Instagram? They have an Instagram, right? Yeah, so them them fatal drag kings. Um, we do shows like every one or two months. It's not super regular, but yeah, go to one. Awesome. Go, yeah, come to one. Come see me. I usually like have a bag of candy on me as an excuse mm-hmm. to like go meet every single person that's come to the show, and I give them nice. candy. That's it's brilliant. It's, talk about Pollyanna. Like it is a wholesome <laughs> show for queers. Awesome. While also being just like dirty and sexy and filthy because it's drag. Also, I love it. Thank you so much, PD. Yeah, thanks so much for being on, PD. It's great to see you, and uh, thanks so much for doing this little interview for us. Team, I love you. Thanks so much for having <laughs> me. I'm very excited about this podcast just as a listener. So oh, being thanks, on it PD. is a real thrill. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for being here. This podcast is edited and produced by Logan Castrodali. Music by Atlas Bishop. Art by Maya Scarpa. Email us at thenewguyspodcast at gmail.com. Bye.